So this morning, as I have for the past five weeks, I led Shabbat for the preschool over Zoom. Now, as you can imagine, the virtual experience is very different from the in-person one, which could best be described as controlled chaos. Before this global pandemic brought us all inside and onto the internet, my time with the preschool was always joyful, hyper-energetic, and loud. While things are still joyful and still pretty energetic, but now I have the magical power of the mute all button. As we have all learned in our collective adjustment to singing together through technological means, things go a little better sometimes on mute all. Exponentially so with a Zoom room full of three-year-olds. So these days I find myself on Friday mornings singing to silence. Except this Friday morning, when one particularly tech-savvy older sibling, clearly ready to lead a good round of bim-bomb in giant neon oversized sunglasses and a blow-up microphone, kept taking himself off mute for the Shabbat Shalom Hey section. And every song thereafter. I found myself in a song-by-song song struggle for control of the mute button, sometimes going back and forth and back and forth, all while holding up dinosaur puppets and candlesticks and stuffed Torahs until finally I laid down the law. Mute all participants. Allow participants to unmute themselves. Uncheck. The power over sound was finally mine. This week we read in Torah the portion of Shmini, three weeks into the festival of sacrifices that is the book of Leviticus. Our reading this Shabbat begins once again with the nitty gritty of killing animals on the altar. And it will end with the killing of animals for food and the detailed specifics behind the laws of Kashrut. But in the very center of this portion is a story, a story about many things, unexpected tragedy, public leadership, mourning, perhaps some hubris, and above all, words and silence. After the priests are consecrated into the service of the Mishkan, this mobile sanctuary, and their duties begin, two of Aaron's sons go off script. Nadav and Avihu take up their own firepans and light a fire, preparing to offer their own sacrifice to God before the tent of meeting. This offering, the text tells us, is an Esh Zarah, a strange or alien fire, one that God has not commanded. Immediately, the brothers are consumed by flame, killed in front of their community, their uncle Moses and Aaron, their father. The text itself is silent here. It never tells us why exactly Nadav and Avihu deserve such a swift and final punishment. 
Later commentators and rabbis will spend centuries trying to fill in the gaps. But Moses, in the moment, cannot bear the idea that such a loss could lead to any resentment, any attempts to question God. He jumps quickly to speech. This is what the eternal meant, he tells his brother, immediately after the loss of his own sons, when God said, through those near to me, I show myself holy and gain glory before all the people. I understand Moses in this moment. He is in a state of personal loss. He's trying to balance his own leadership of the community. And he wants his brother to be okay. So he tries to put words to the unthinkable, tries to foist meaning upon it or rationality. But we all know that this is not how loss works. Loss is incomprehensible. And the more we try to talk it away, try to force our words into its silences, the more it hurts. Our tradition knows this, mandating that those who visit a home observing Shiva not speak until they are spoken to. But it's true for any loss, not just death. We are all searching desperately for words right now to try to talk away or around the losses we are experiencing in our lives and our society. The missed graduation ceremonies, goodbye parties, the mixed, missed presence at a Shabbat table or in the delivery room, the missed hugs and handholds and coffee shop chatter and playdates, the missed controlled chaos of a preschool morning Shabbat. We want to talk, to speak it into making sense, to speak out some sort of why or when it will be over. We are like Moses, running towards words because they seem to be the only way. Aaron, bereaved father, shows us an alternative. This is what the eternal meant, Moses rattles on and will go on to offer ritual instructions, how to mourn or not mourn, what to do for the public, talk, talk, talk. At the center of it all are two Hebrew words, vaidom aharon, Aaron was silent. The kind of silence with a depth and presence all its own. Aaron is shocked into wordlessness to be sure, but I think he also recognizes that loss needs silence, that life needs its silences too, that sometimes there really need not be any words. Humanity finds itself as our stay at homes and our social distances take root for what seems like a bit of a longer haul in a protracted period of societal pause. It's frightening because it feels very out of our control, like COVID-19 has taken over the host role on our global Zoom chat. We don't have a lot of control right now, and it's very hard to force mute the voices all around us, news predictions or cooped up children, worried parents or scientific projections, 
and the voices inside our own heads, worrying about what each new day will bring, if we will be safe, when it will be over. It won't be as easy as silencing that rogue Tachabat attendee was this morning. But Aaron is teaching us from the story of his own loss and uncertainty that now is a time to strive for moments of silence. Can each of us for one second or minute or hour of our day find a way to create space for that de mama, that deep still silence, which allows feelings to be felt and hearts to be held? Can we breathe it into being? Can we grow comfortable with listening to its nothingness, its lack of speech? Can we allow its presence to bring us back the tiniest glimmer of hope, the tiniest measure of control? Perhaps this Shabbat is the best place to begin as we let all the other sounds fall away May it be a Shabbat of still, silent peace.